Hello and welcome to the Activate Podcast. It's my prayer and hope that our faith will be activated as we explore the Bible together and that our lives will be activated as we serve God and love people by applying the Bible to our daily lives. Before we dive into the Word of God, let's pray together and then we'll get started. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you that it's a fire shut up in my bones, that your word has to come out, that your word has to go forth. Jesus, I thank you that you have used me, that you have used people for generations upon generations upon generations to proclaim your word. And God, it won't stop with this generation. This generation will declare the word of the Lord. And we will put ourselves in a place to be used. We'll put ourselves in a place of surrender so that, God, you could use us to, to be your hands, to be your feet, to be your mouthpiece. And today, God, I pray that as I declare the word of the Lord, that you will come and you will meet every person right where they're at, that, God, you will activate our hearts, that you will help our hearts to overflow with passion for your ways and for your things, that we would be counterculture, that we would not be the same, but that we would allow the word of God to change us. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Today, we're going to be in 1 Kings chapter 17 and chapter 18. This is the story of Elijah and the rain. Elijah is talking to King Ahab, and King Ahab was an evil king, and some things had uh, happened between them, and um, Elijah comes and he says, As surely as the Lord lives, I tell you the truth. No rain or dew will fall during the next few years unless I command it. He's proclaiming that there's going to be a drought. He's proclaiming that uh, unless he commands it, no rain will fall. This shows us that God is in control, even in circumstances that we think are happenstance. God is in control of everything. He is in control of every season of our lives. He's in control of the good seasons and the bad seasons. He withholds things and he gives things to us. And so Elijah is telling this evil king Ahab, he's saying, I'm commanding the rain to stop and it won't start again till I say. We look again to 1 Kings and in chapter 18, it says this, during the third year without rain, the Lord spoke his word to Elijah. There's a dry season. There are three years without the blessing of rain for this people group. Three years where their crops wouldn't grow, where they weren't getting food to feed their families. Three years of dryness. How many of us have been in seasons of dryness? Seasons where it feels as though everything is being held back from us. Seasons where things are hard. It feels like, it looks like, it even smells like failure. We feel alone. We feel forgotten three years and no rain, three years and no word from the Lord, dryness. And then the Lord speaks to Elijah. He says, now is the time. He says to him, go and meet King Ahab and I will soon send rain. The promise is on the horizon and Elijah is not worried. Elijah's been provided for. God has supernaturally uh, taken care of him during these three years. And the story is recorded there in 1 Kings 17. I would encourage you after this to go back and read it. But here he is in 18 and God's saying, I'm going to send rain. The promise of, quote, 
Revival, end quote, is coming. The promise of rain is on its way. It's coming, says the Lord. And in our lives, as we walk through periods of dryness, as we walk through periods of times where things don't seem like they're provided for us, a word from the Lord can change everything. A word from the Lord turns everything around. And in this word from the Lord, he says, I will soon send rain. So Elijah went to meet Ahab. We're back in 1 Kings 18. By this time, there was no food in Samaria. So King Ahab sent for Obadiah. Obadiah was in charge of the king's palace. Obadiah was a true follower of the Lord. One time, Jezebel was killing all the Lord's prophets, so Obadiah took a hundred of them and hid them in two caves. He put 50 in one cave and 50 in another cave, and he brought them food and water. He brought them food and water and provided for them. King Ahab said to Obadiah, let's look at every spring and valley in the land. Maybe we can find enough grass to keep our horses and mules alive. Then we will not have to kill our animals. So each one chose a part of the country to search. Ahab went in one direction and Obadiah went in the other direction. There wasn't even grass on the ground for the mules to eat, for the horses to eat. It was complete despair. We have to look back and remember that God was still in control. God started this from the beginning. He promises that he's going to send rain. But they're still in the midst of a time with no food, a time with no hope. They still have to walk through these moments. Obadiah, a true follower of the Lord, is walking through starvation, is walking through a dry season. So Obadiah goes one way and King Ahab goes the other. While Obadiah was walking along, Elijah met him. Obadiah knew who Elijah was, so he bowed down to the ground before Elijah. He said, Elijah, is it really you, master? Elijah said, yes. Go tell your master, the king, that I am here. Then Obadiah said, if I tell Ahab that he would kill me, I have done nothing wrong that I should be killed. As surely as the Lord your God lives, the king has looked everywhere for you. He sent people to every country to look for you. If the ruler said you were not there, that was not enough. Ahab then forced the ruler to swear you could not be found in his country. Now you want me to go and tell my master and tell him Elijah is here? The spirit of the Lord may carry you to some other place after I leave. If I go tell King Ahab you are here, he will come. If he doesn't find you, he will kill me. I have followed the Lord since I was a boy. Haven't you heard what I did? When Jezebel was killing the Lord's prophets, I hid a hundred of them. I put 50 prophets in one cave and 50 prophets in another cave. I brought them food and water. Now you want me to go and tell the king you are here? He will kill me. Have you ever been right where Obadiah is? He has been in a season of dry times. He has done everything that the Lord has asked him to even risking his own life to hide the prophets, even bringing them food and water after the fact of hiding them. Have you ever been in the place where you have served the Lord with all of your heart? You have done everything that the Lord has commanded you to do. You have worked as unto the Lord, not even unto yourself, not for show, not for other people to see you or to hear you, but you've worked behind the scenes continually year after year after year. And then God asks you to do another impossible task. And this impossible task may very well cost you your life. And so Obadiah says, if I go tell this king that you're here, Elijah, I'm surely going to die. And here's what Elijah says to him. Elijah answered, 
I serve the Lord of heaven's armies. As surely as the Lord lives, I will stand before Ahab today. So Obadiah went to Ahab and he told him where Elijah was. Then Ahab went to meet Elijah. When he saw Elijah, he said, is it you, the biggest troublemaker in Israel? Elijah answered, I have not caused trouble in Israel. You and your father's family has caused all this trouble. You have not obeyed the Lord's commands. You have followed the, the Baals. Now tell all Israel to meet me on Mount Carmel and bring the prophets of Baal there and bring the prophets of the Asherah pole who eat at Jezebel's table. So this is just like our lives. When um, we go to those who are sinners, they accuse us. Isn't that true of the world? They accuse us, the Christians, of causing trouble. When we can plainly see that we're fighting for righteousness and they are not. But it's very easy to turn and uh, for the accused to turn and accuse the anointed one. And King Ahab accuses, accuses Elijah of bringing all the trouble on the land, but the trouble was brought as soon as they turned their hearts to other gods. Elijah also says this in verse 21. He says, how long will you try to serve both Baal and the Lord? If the Lord is the true God, follow him. But if Baal is the true God, follow him. But the people said nothing in response to that. The people said nothing. If God is God, follow him. If there's another God, follow that God. But the people said nothing. There's another verse in Jeremiah uh, where it talks about how if you would just take this path, you can have everything you want. But the people said, we don't want to. The choice to follow God is always available. It is like a path with shining rainbows, and then there's a dark alley the other way, and we continue to choose the dark alley. We as people continue to go down the wrong way. So the story goes how, that, the, that Elijah proves God is God. They have a competition between Baal and the Lord, and they make an altar to Baal, and the prophets of Baal march around uh, the, the offering, and they're trying to call down fire from heaven. And no matter what they do, the, the Baal will not answer them. The Baal does not provide fire from heaven. And then Elijah says, take the same offering, now douse it with water and douse it again. Make it all wet, and I will pray to my Lord, and he will answer me. And sure enough, God, the God of heaven's armies, rains down fire and consumes the offering. Then Elijah prays to the Lord. Lord, you are the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and Israel. I ask you now to prove that you are the God of Israel and prove that I am your servant. Show these people that you commanded me to do all these things. Lord, answer my prayer. Show these people that you, Lord, are God. And then the people will know that you are bringing them back to you. Then fire from the Lord came down. It burned the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, the ground around the altar. It also dried up the water in the ditch around it. When all the people saw this, they fell down to their, the ground and they cried, the Lord is God, the Lord is God. I want you to put your, yourself in the place of Elijah right now. He knows that God is the God of heaven's armies. He knows who God is. But he says, show these people that you commanded me to do these things. 
Don't let me look like a fool, God. Show up. I'm your servant. Show up. And God does. And he shows up in a powerful way. And only then, only then, you remember that a few verses before, the people said nothing. They said, who are you serving, Baal or God? And they said nothing. And now they fall on their face, they cry, and they say, the Lord is God. See, God already knew they were going to do this, and that's why he said he was sending rain. He already knew that the people would turn and follow after him, and that's why rain was on the, on the way. I'm sure that Obadiah was in the crowd watching that day. Verse 41, then Elijah said to Ahab, now go and eat and drink. A heavy rain is coming. So King Ahab went to eat and drink. And at the same time, Elijah climbed to the top of Mount Carmel. There he bent down to the ground with his head between his knees. Then Elijah said to his servant, go and look towards the sea. The servant went, he looked, and he said, I see nothing. Elijah had dealt with the Lord before. He had walked with the Lord before. When the Lord says he's going to do something, he's going to do it. And so whether you see rain coming or not, you can trust that God is on his way. He said, I'm sending rain. Elijah trusted that that was the case. So he went up on the mountain to see if rain was coming. Elijah told him to go and look again. This happened seven times. I want you to put yourself in this story. You've lived in a time of drought, in a time of dryness, where you know God is there, but you haven't seen him move. He says he's coming, but you haven't seen it yet. You go up and you wait for him in faith, and you say that I know a rain cloud is coming, but I haven't seen it yet. And you look, and you don't see it. And you look, and you don't see it. And you look, and you don't see it. And you look again, and you don't see it. And you look again, and you don't see it. And you look again, and you don't see it. And finally, you look. (laughs) And this is what the servant says. The seventh time, the servant said, I see a small cloud. It's the size of a man's fist, and it's coming from the sea. There's a cloud the size of a man's fist, tiny cloud coming. But Elijah knows what that means. It means now is the time that the the reign of the Lord is on its way. The season of dryness is over and rain is coming. Elijah told the servant, go to Ahab, tell him to go get his chariot ready and to go home now. If he doesn't leave now, the rain will stop him. After a short time, the sky was covered with dark clouds. The wind began to blow. There was a heavy rain that began to fall. Ahab got in his chariot and started back to Jezreel. The Lord gave him his power to Elijah, and Elijah tightened his clothes around him, and he ran ahead of King Ahab all the way to Jezreel. How does this apply to our lives? I think that as I've been talking, I've I've tried to interject us into the story, but I want to do it one final time here. God's promises are true. And no matter what season of your life you're in, if you are in a time where you know the promises of the Lord, but you haven't seen his blessing yet, hold on. Keep checking. Keep checking with expectancy. Keep waiting for the day. Because there will be a day when the blessings of the Lord rain down on you so heavy, so heavy that it will be hard to contain. How do I know this? Because it's been true in my life, because it's been true in the lives of people I know and in the lives of people in the Bible. 
almost every example that we have in the Bible, almost every example of success starts somewhere like a pit with Joseph. Start somewhere like a lion's den with Daniel. Start somewhere um, like a cave with King David. The greatest people, the greatest examples that we have of following Jesus start off somewhere bad. They start off in a, in a place that looks, that feels, that even smells like failure. Joseph in jail. Moses, when the people hated him, his own people, the Egyptian people, everyone hated him. And then he turns the whole story. And near the end, he is one of the most respected men in Egypt. And he's respected by the, the nation of Israel. And he leads them to freedom from slavery. But it starts in a place where we fail. Looks like failure. It starts in a place where we can be humbled. The Bible says, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. We can't lift ourselves up to periods of blessing. We aren't controlling the rain. God is. We are not controlling blessing. God is. We can't manipulate blessing. We can't manipulate timing. It is all in the hands of the, the Lord of heaven's armies. We have to trust his timing. And no matter if we look one time, two times, up to seven times, a hundred times, we trust that he is coming. We trust that he will be on time. And it might not be our timing. They waited three years for rain. You may wait 50 years before the Lord releases you into ministry. You may wait one year or two years, but the longer you wait, the more prepared you get. And if we aren't working and living unto other people, then it doesn't matter when we get a stage. It doesn't matter when we get a promotion because we're living and working unto the Lord. And so if we stay scrubbing toilets all our lives, then we do it unto the Lord. And if he keeps us in a place of dryness, then we stay there and still will rejoice. And as the, uh, the, the three Israelite boys are about to be thrown into the fiery furnace, they say, our God will save us. And even if he doesn't, still I will trust him. Even if he doesn't, still I will trust him. I will praise him because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And my hand is written on his palm, it says in Isaiah. It says that his thoughts for me are like the thoughts, are, are like the sand on the seashore. There's too many to count. He, Jesus himself sits as an advocate for me. He sits on the right hand of the Father, praying and making intercession for me. I am not alone. Even if I walk through days and weeks and years and seasons of dryness, I know who I am. I am a daughter of the King. And my hope is not this earth. My hope, my, my exaltation is not found in other people. My exaltation is found on my knees, alone, not in front of people, but away from people. My rest is found in Jesus. So what do we do when we're in a dry time? We stay diligent. We stay awake. We stay aware that the enemy has schemes against us. We stay aware of what's going on and we passionately pursue the things of God. We become like Elijah that we can trust the hand of God to move right on time. But man, there comes a day when that dry season is over. There comes a day where God says, you can trust me, but here's what you have to do. Just like Obadiah, you've got to step out. I've tested you. 
in small things. I've tested you when you hid the prophets, Obadiah, when you hid those 100 prophets. That was preparation for a bigger task. And that bigger task was going to the king and telling him that Elijah was here. And because you said yes to the small thing, I'll give you a bigger thing. And because you said yes to that, I will let you see the demonstration of God's power through the, 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 the demonstration of fire and then through the rain. We all have a piece and a part to play. We all have a mission. We need to live on mission. And whether our mission is glorious or behind the scenes, or in front of people, or behind people. We are on mission for the king. We are on mission for the king. And most great missions start in caves, like it did for David, hiding, being tested. Most great missions start in pits where you're sold into slavery. Have you been sold into the slavery of other people? Have you proven that you'll serve the Lord even if you're in jail? Have you proven that you'll serve the Lord no matter what? No matter who sees you or doesn't see you. Have you shown that you will work for the Lord and the Lord alone? See, God won't let us down. We, the, the words of Elijah here says that just rings so, so true to me. Show these people that you commanded me to do these things, Lord. Show them, God. I trust you. There's been things that the Lord's told me will come true. And it's hard to believe. It is hard to believe. God, that looks impossible. God, that doesn't look like, like it could ever happen. But God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust you. I'm going to change my heart. I'm going to change my heart. And I'm going to set it upon you. I'm going to set my heart upon you, God, because you've proven yourself. You've proven yourself over and over and over again. Okay, God, I will trust you. I will walk out in this area, even though it's uncomfortable, even though many times I'm embarrassed because I don't, I don't trust myself. I only trust you. So God, I will walk forward in the things you've called me to do. And you know what? He always comes through. He always shows up. He always shows up. If I know that I know that the things that I'm saying and doing are for him, he always shows up. And so he showed, he answered Elijah and he did show the people and they did turn, cry out to God and say, the Lord is God. Elijah was obedient first. Obadiah was obedient first. Everything that happens to us is not just for us. It's for other people. It's for the people in front of us and the people behind us. It's for the people all around us. No action that the Lord asks us to do is for ourselves alone. It's like a ripple effect to so many people. It's a ripple effect to the generations that come behind me because you clear a path. When you walk the way the Lord tells you to walk, it's not a trodden path. He very rarely prepares us the same way. He doesn't prepare me the same way that he prepared the person before me. That's how I learned to trust in him. That's how I know I'm walking after Jesus because it's not a cut and dry. It's not a patterned thing. If it was a pattern, it would be easy. It would be a corporate ladder. It would be a sticker on a chart. It would be step A, B, and C, but following the Lord. It takes faith because we have to do things people have never done before. We have to go places people have never been before. But you want, you want to know what you do when you go those places. You make a path, and people can come behind you, and you can bring freedom. Moses made a path. David made a path. Joseph made a path. 
If you look like everybody else, I'm going to venture and guess that you may be doing something wrong. Because God made you unique. It talks about how, how the body of Christ, in Corinthians, it talks about the body of Christ, how it's diverse. We have unity and diversity. We are diverse. We are not the same. We are created on purpose and for purpose, and it's all different. It's all different. We all have the same great commission from the Lord, but he uses us like a tool in his tool belt differently. I am not my sister and my sister is not me. We come from the same parents. We we may have the same uh, end goal, but we get there different ways because God is leading each of us on a journey. The glory is the church when all these different tools, all these different people, can, all these diverse people can come together to worship the Lord together, but to trust God, to do what he's called them to do. Obadiah had to do something nobody else did. Joseph did something nobody else did. Elijah did something nobody else was doing. And you too today, whether you were in a dry season or not, you need to do what the Lord is asking you to do. But finally, I want to talk about this rain cloud, this rain cloud of blessing. You know, the Lord called me to preach when I was 16 years old, and now I'm 35. That's more than three years. But God has prepared me. He's prepared me in hard ways. He's prepared me in ways that I didn't expect and I didn't like. But he prepared me in the way that was right for me because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. And I was, he knew me even when I was in my mother's womb, he knew me. He created me and crafted me on purpose. And he took me through this journey to get me right to this place. And he said, Jill, if you'll trust me, I will make a blueprint in your obedience that other people can follow. Man, the dry times didn't look like success. The dry times looked like failure. But he said, follow me. And so I followed him, and I followed him, and I followed him, and I followed him. Two years ago, he told me to work for the church, that he would provide for me financially. And miraculously, he financially provided an income for me that doubled the income I had prior to that, doubled my income miraculously. I got no money from the church. I got money from the Lord. And so I worked for the church for two years. And I settled in thinking, this is what I'm going to do, God. I'm going to keep going in the same way. But God keeps doing new things. And one day he said, all right, you're done. Through situation after situation, he kept speaking to me, Jill, you're done. I want you to, to, to change your direction. Now I financially provided for you. Now you've worked for the church. Now I want you to transition out of the everyday life of the church, and I want you to preach. God, I know that rang true with me because I had known since I was 16 that I'm supposed to preach. But God, where? But God, how? And I wrestled and I wrestled and I wrestled. And as soon as I said, okay, God, as soon as I said, I don't understand. I've gone and I've checked for the rain cloud. I've gone and I checked again over here and I checked over there and I checked everywhere and I don't see rain. But I finally said, God, I'm going to trust you. And I began to transition out of the church, the everyday life of the church, still attending, still part, still working for the church, but transitioned out of my daily life being at the church. All of a sudden, God began to rain down on me. It sounds like the rain that happened with Elijah, where he told King Ahab, you better get in your chariot and get out because the rain is coming. 
and it rings true in my life. I said yes to God about a month ago, January 1st. Yes, God. I didn't call anybody. I didn't ask anybody. And in the next four months, I'm going to preach six different places. And I'm going to do five different women's conferences. And I started a podcast that's had hundreds of views. The rain of blessing has come at just the right time. And the only reason that it's come is because I was faithful in the dry seasons, because I kept continuing to step out when I wasn't comfortable, when I didn't see the next step, I still took it, when I didn't know where it would lead, when everyone might make fun of you or everyone might question you, I still took the step. And I want to encourage you today that if God has told you, if you know that you know that you know that you know that the Lord of heaven's army said it, then you can take it to the bank because he's going to do it because he did it for Elijah. He showed up for Elijah. He showed up for me and he'll show up for you. Let's pray. God, I thank you that you are a God of blessing, that God, you take us through dry seasons to, to bring us to a place of blessing, that God, you work together all things, all things for the good of those who love you and are called according to your purpose. And God, I pray over those that are going through a dry season right now, that God, they would keep their eyes focused on you, their hearts set upon you, that there would be no scheme of the enemy that would get them off track, that God, that they would stay in the path that you have for them. And God, I pray that you would send blessing after blessing, after blessing, after blessing. And they would know that, God, you are with them, that you will never leave them, you will never forsake them, that, God, you will stick closer than a brother. You are faithful. You are faithful. You are faithful, and you do what you say you're going to do. God, I pray peace that passes all worldly understanding to guard our hearts, that they would guard our minds this peace would guard our minds while we remain in Christ Jesus. Jesus, thank you for your freedom. Thank you for your direction. Thank you for your wisdom. Give us the bravery, God, to follow after you. Give us all that we need to live life and to live it your way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.